Toy Show the Musical lost over €2 million. Euro. That much was well known before Grant Thornton delivered its report on RTE's foray into live theatre. What was not known until now was the failure of the National Broadcasters Board to do its job and just how risky the whole business was. This is in the news from the Irish Times. I'm Bernice Harrison. Today, the damning report into Toy Show the Musical. Jack Power is an Irish Times reporter. Jack, you've been poring over this report today. It's nearly 70 pages long. What are the main findings? It really found that the board didn't approve and didn't have any formal sign-off of this project, that there was almost two twin tracks running where senior RT executives were developing this musical along with the creative team and making plans, sourcing out the convention centres, the venue. And at the other track, the board were largely entirely unaware of what was going on and that this musical was only brought to the board formally for the first time after RTE had already signed the contract for the convention centre. One of the real main costs and the the biggest cost um, around this musical. The second big thing that was revealed in the report today, and we actually reported a little bit of this before Christmas, was that there was a serious issue around how sponsorship revenue was accounted for afterwards. The report found that 120 grand was what RT initially said the musical had drawn in in sponsorship, when that figure, in actual fact, was 45 grand. So the report details how 75 grand in what was dubbed sponsorship was actually revenue from elsewhere, totally unconnected. And the report attempts to find out why this why this was the case. And it, it ultimately concludes that th- there was no reasonable basis for why this was presented in this way. I mean, it had the effect of overstating the amount of sponsorship brought in by the musical, which in turn understated the loss of the musical. But the report caveats that by saying, you know, the the loss at that point was well known to be in the region of two million. So ultimately didn't make a massive amount of difference in the wider scheme of how much money was lost anyway. Can you talk us through a timeline of events as to who knew what and when? Yeah, so the idea for this Toy Show the Musical started around 2020, where there was this idea that RTE should be in the future hosting more kind of live events or kind of experimenting with other commercial streams. And so this idea was kind of knocked around in workshops and kind of formed that the RTE would stage a musical around the brand of the toy show, you know, a hugely, hugely popular brand with kids and parents and stuff like that. And so, you know, a creative team was kind of put together and was sent, you know, work on the script and the, the concept and then it was around, so one key meeting was in March 2022, and this was kind of the first time that a wider group of people basically learned of this you know, project that RTE was embarking on to, to stage a musical. Um, it had kind of been kept, it seems, under wraps up to that point. This is, you know, the first time some board members have learned that this is happening or planned to happen. And only a few days later, this report reveals that RTE were emailing and in correspondence with the convention centre looking to sign off on the lease to to rent out the 
the massive convention centre for a string of weeks in December later that year. And less than two weeks later, the contract was signed for the convention centre. And that was on the 19th of April. And then only later that month was this project, the musical, discussed formally at board level. And what a lot of the directors said at that meeting was this was basically presented to them as a fait accompli, like this was something they were being told about, not something they were being asked to approve. In terms of the ticket sales, you know, there were some very, I suppose, ambitious projections that the musical could make a profit of more than a million quid if they sold out, I think it was 100,000 tickets across more than 50 shows. That didn't happen at all. You know, ticket sales were really, really poor. And in the end, RTE only ended up selling 11,000 tickets. When the curtains went up on the musical, there was also other problems where a lot of the cast got COVID at the time and shows had to be cancelled and people had to be refunded. And, you know, amid a lot of bad publicity and press, the musical really staggered into 2023. And then now, as we later learn, you know, a whole host of revelations that would now damage RTE in terms of really, really poor governance, financial oversight and accounting around the whole project, really from start to finish, it seems. It resulted in a massive loss um, to RTE, both financially and at this point, you know, its reputation as well. Okay, Hugh Linhan, let's talk about some of what we've just heard. First, in the report, how surprised were you to read about the way this massive project got greenlit without ever being signed off, either by the RT board or by its Audit and Risk Committee? I think I'm more shocked than surprised uh, because the chain of events which is laid out in this report shows a complete dereliction of duty on the part of people who are supposed to be looking after what are ultimately the private finances. I know it's a semi-state body, it has a commercial wing as well as a public service one, but this is ultimately this is ultimately public money and a very large amount of it. I think we should bear in mind that because it was over €2 million Euro in cost, it was well over what was required for special attention right up to the top of the organisation to the board and it's quite clear to me that that did not happen. During the summer we got a headline figure. Uh, we got a headline figure that it was bad over 2.2 million euro that Toy Show the Musical had lost. So we we knew that. Um, but this report gives more detail because it it goes into the financial planning of the musical. If you uh, can call it that. There was, there was a target that RTE would have to sell 80% of the seats to break even. The report outlines how this is a much higher bar than would be normal in the live show industry. It, there's a figure of maybe 55% that's more usual. Um, and that sounds obviously less risky. So even from the get-go, there was a huge risk there that RTE really should have been aware of. You would think that well-paid people at the top of management and highly experienced, reputable people on the board would have recognised the fact that in this instance, RTE was entering into an area of which it had little or no experience. You would have thought as well, given that many of those people work in the culture industries broadly defined, that they would know, because it's very commonly known, that one of the most high-risk endeavours in the creative industries is a stage musical. They're very high cost. They're very 
high risk. They can deliver very high rewards and one member of the then RTE board, Moya Doherty, as one of the co-producers of Riverdance, is more than aware of that. It's an example of probably the most successful Irish stage musical show ever. But more often than not, they fail. So it was always, I would have thought, a peculiarly risky uh, initiative to, you know, to, to launch this new RTE experience uh, project. And then you look at, as you say, the numbers that you gave there. Um, why did they come up with such a such an optimistic projection on on ticket sales? And alongside that, there's another set of mathematics, which was varying projections, which bounced around all over the place of how many performances there would actually be, because there are certain fixed costs involved here. And those kinds of relationships between those three things, the costs, the number of performances and the number of tickets you sell, at the end of the day is where your bottom line is going to end up when you get to the end of it. And the level of interrogation of all that stuff really seemed to be terrible. As you say, it is a little bit difficult to tell who's saying what. This is one of the things that's a little frustrating about this report. So person A says that person B said Mm. something about... Person, person C, mm. but essentially what you hear is that this question of 55% or 60% maybe at a push was raised and then people were told it was 80% and it just seemed to be accepted. Well, there's also, uh, thinking about it now, there's also sort of an X factor in that this was the tail end of COVID. So I'm sure there were several producers around town who were going, you know what, we're not going to put on a show because the maths don't add up because we may have to cancel several performances. And in fact, that's what's happened here. So it's sort of weird that the board also didn't raise that question, that this was a very sort of known variable. So it's interesting that you ask that because it's not that these risks weren't identified at all, uh, according to this report. They were raised by people. In fact, let me just give you, because it's quite artic- it's articulated quite well in the report that they talk about the risks. And the first one here is that uh, musicals are notoriously difficult and dependent on delivery of a product that exceeds significant expectations in the quality of the musical. Also that the Christmas period is well served already by many well-established events which occupy prime calendar dates. Also that Ortiz's expertise is predominantly in broadcast output rather than events, particularly in commercial events. And also that Ortiz's dedicated public events team is small and it's stretched to the, the ultimately to its limit. And also, yet, uh, yet another one, significant upfront funding uh, for de- to develop the production was required and that depending on the chosen business model events carry huge financial risk. Now, that more or less lays out, you know, why you would proceed with care, let's say. But but is that not stating the obvious, though, in a sense? You know, it, it is, but but the, the obvious was stated, but the obvious was never discussed fully at board level. That's the point. There was a sense that was kind of, it was going to happen from as early as sort of March that some board members felt, oh, actually, this is a fait accompli. It's sort of going to happen. And the quote is, so at that meeting, we would have been reassured by the fact Or at least I would have been assured by the fact that there were people who are experts in this area who came from very diverse backgrounds, who had decades of experience really leading fantastic projects like this. So I think that was one of the first things. There was a lot of discussion in the team and that was very reassuring. I mean, who are the experts this person is referred to? And was it responsible for them to think, right, these people know what they're doing. We don't need to know more. So they have been anonymized, the um, the members of the board, but 
the majority of the members of the board are people who have a background in business, some in the independent media sector, uh, some in education, not many in the area of theatrical uh, performance. Uh, the most notable by far of those is, is the then chair, Moya Doherty. And interestingly, going back to what we were saying about IP earlier, uh, Ortiz's most successful IP ever, even though it only got a quite small slice of the ultimate action, was Riverdance. Uh, 30 years ago this year, if you can believe it, uh, it was the Eurovision um, Interval Act, and it went on to generate hundreds of millions of euro in revenue around the world. And uh, Moya Doherty and her producing partner and husband, John McColgan, got a very, very uh, nice slice of that. So... Moya Doherty is a woman who knows her way around a successful Broadway show, a successful West End show, a successful international touring show. Um, so I can't imagine that her, her view wasn't sought. And that sounds to me like it's uh, like it's her view. There were external advisors and there were a couple of experienced theatre people who were brought in as part of the product, um, uh, some of whom had also worked with Moya Doherty in the past as well. I'm not pointing a finger at anybody. I'm just really stating stating the reality of what we yeah, know. Yeah, so then do you think it's fair enough for the board, that board member or several of the board members to say, well, you know what? That sounded like, you know, there's a lot of expertise involved. Sure, let them let them crack on. No. The reason why you have a range of people on a board, particularly people from the areas of business and accountancy and legal and corporate governance, is to bring all those questions to the table. And really, apart from anything else, like as we were saying earlier, it's a high-risk endeavour and Moya Doherty, fair play to her and to her success. And, you know, I gather herself and John McGulgan put their house, uh, mortgaged their house in order to get, to get Riverdance going and they handsomely won the rewards and... You know, they're mm. a great they're a great Irish success. But RT is a public service broadcaster and that's why it should bring those much higher levels of uh of, of corporate governance essentially and, to and the And presumably matter. its remit is not to take such massive risks as well. It, it, its remit is absolutely not to take these kind of risks. You're absolutely okay, right. Okay. So one incredible detail in the report is a quote from one member of the board who said I finally got the briefing document on TSTM. The, throughout the report, you'll note that it's abbreviated, Toy Show the Musical is TSTM, in May's board pack. So presumably before every board meeting, they get a sort of a pack of what they're going to be discussing. By which time the venue for the event had been booked and the event was launched on the Late Late Show. We're to read into that, that a member of the board didn't get the details until the country had already been told by Ryan Tuberty on the Late Late Show that the, the the musical was happening. Even though, according to their own rules, it was supposed to be passed officially by the board before it proceeded. But why didn't anybody on the board speak up then? Well, it, I found it interesting today, Shun Rahalik, the, the current chair of the board, who we should say was not on the board while while these decisions was uh, were, were, were being made, uh, very much seemed to frame this as... Um, uh, a, a structural issue because, of course, we had this confusing thing. If you remember, where Orti used to have two boards, oh. it had its board, which we're talking about here, and it had what we call its executive board and what most normal companies would call the senior management team, and which is now called, which is now called that now. But they did seem to behave sometimes like like two competing. Mm. Um, uh, centres of power within the organisation. And the impression I got from what June Rahali was saying today was that the, um, if not misled, the, the then board was not fully informed by the then uh, by the then executive team, um, and also you get a sense from all of this, don't you, that the board is being pushed around a bit mm. by the executive that the, to an extent that is not appropriate. It is the the supreme governing body of RTE. It is the board, but you get the sense that they're just going along with things, mm. and they're they're not you know kicking up. I, I mean. 
I've been on one or two boards and they you really rely on the troublemakers, by which I mean the sticklers for detail. You <laughs> yeah. know, again, the accountants and the lawyers mm-hmm. who say, no, we haven't done this right. And according to our rules, uh, you cannot proceed. And if you have proceeded, well, then we've got a big problem. None of that seems to have happened. Well, we learned from the report that ticket sales started to go wrong quite early. Sales were slow and there was some discussions even about pulling the show. It seems like the reaction in RTE was to minimise the bad publicity. Was there anything, as they could see kind of the ship starting to sink, was there anything else they could have done? I'm not sure if there is. Once you had the point that the show is actually up and live and running, you've got a huge amount of fixed costs which you're committed to one way or the other. You've rented the convention centre, you're, um, you're, you're, you're crewing your cast are presumably on contracts, you can't just kick them out the door, I'm glad to say. Um, and so most of your costs are there. So, uh, I mean, I, I've never produced a show of this scale, but I imagine you, you might hope to recoup it or reduce at least some of your losses at that point. So the musical was going to have sponsorship, obviously. The target for sponsorship was 120 grand, but only 45,000 euro in sponsorship was pulled in. What happened then? Well, money was reallocated uh, to kind of use a slightly Father Tedism um, that there was advertising, entirely separate advertising revenue was described as spot advertising revenue from somewhere else in RTE's commercial revenue basket that was moved over into those into that account to show uh, um, incorrectly to the board that that €125,000 sum had been met. Now, on the face of it, a lot of people may think that's not a lot of money given the scale of the whole of the whole fiasco. But I think it's a very telling detail indeed because it it links us back to some of the stories that we were hearing in front of the um, in front of the Oireachtas committees last summer about you know strange kinds of moving of, of of money from one area to another in order to make things appear not the quite the barter what, accounts not, that we're all too familiar precisely, with precisely yeah. all all those kinds of things with yeah. barter accounts and shifting money out of those in and you know uh, invoices that said that services were for consultancy rather than presenting television or radio shows all those kinds of things it has a ring of all that to it and it does raise a, 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 I think a serious question about what was going on in this senior executive management in RTE particularly in this period the last year or two of the uh, of the tenure of D Forbes who we should remark um, highly unfortunately is, is, is notable by her absence she isn't available for medical reasons uh, again as she wasn't last summer Hugh when we were here in this studio last year talking about uh, Toy Show the Musical. Um, One of the things we talked about was the way RTE effectively intruded into a space that they weren't particularly welcome in, they had no expertise in, and that's the Christmas panto, the Christmas live show space. Very busy, very successful, competition is really fierce. Um, And that was fine, but it made it harder for commercial operators to keep their show on the road because you had this behemoth, you know, nipping at their heels. So it must be all the more galling now for them to see how little consideration for them, for their operations, for their history. The gate has been putting on panthers for 100 years. 
went into the decision to hold a musical. Yeah, I don't think it was fine at all, actually. I mm. mean, I'm I'm kind of really unhappy about this. And I think that I, I was unhappy about it at the time, actually, about RTE coming in and throwing its weight around in, in this market. As it turns out, it was kind of throwing its weight around the way a large elephant throws its weight around when it enters an ice dancing competition. But we weren't to know that at, at, at the time. And some commentators have suggested that one of the things that was wrong with this whole project was that RTE was being kind of commercial. Now, RTE, you know, under its remit is allowed to be commercial, but it's not the same as a private operator that enters a market. It does have a public service remit. It blows its own trumpet quite a lot about its support for the arts and the creative industries. Anytime you switch it on, it's it's doing that. And it really went in and tried to stomp on these people who had just had two terrible years of living off the dole, basically, while their while their shows were shut down, were just finally coming back on stream and RT came in and tried to kick them in the head. I, for one, am delighted that they failed to do so so uh, so signally. It's what maybe one of the one of the better things out of this. It was also a terrible business decision, wasn't it? There's a whole there's a is, there's a business cliche about if you're going into a new area, is it blue water or red water? Blue water is clear and you can you can swim freely. Red water is full of sharks who are going to eat you before you get to eat your lunch. This was definitely red water. It was highly competitive, but in a way, it does it does tie into another crit- criticism of RTE. Because, yes, it is a public service broadcaster, but it's also the biggest media organisation in the country. And I think with some legitimacy, some of its competitors have said it has taken advantage of that at times and the fact that it's funded by the state. So, Hugh, Toy Show the Musical lost 2.2 million euro. Can you put that in context? How big a deal is that for an organisation the size of RTE? It's a huge deal. The overall revenue base for RTE is somewhere around the 300 million mark, I think. Uh, I stand to be corrected, but it's somewhere in or around there. Two million within that, you know, of of money that, you know, had to come from somewhere is a, is a really large uh, large amount of money, particularly given, as we know, the dire state of, of RTE's finances. It's, it's incredibly serious. Well, our colleague Jennifer Bray from the political team, she, she reports that, um, and I'm quoting her, the matter is being viewed as extremely serious within government and that it comes at a sensitive time when ministers are due to weigh up future funding models for the broadcaster. What impact do you think this is going to have on how the cabinet weighs up those big questions? Well, I think it maybe depends what happens in RTE. We have no sense of, of there going to be any further consequences in RTE. We know that um, a lot of the individuals, particularly on the management side, who were involved in this decision making, both uh, um, both on the commercial side and other sides of the operation, have left or are no longer in the senior management team. But we also know that um, many of the people who were on the board then are on the board now. So it does... Beg that question. Shuni Rahali today uh, declared full confidence in her current board members. Uh, if I was on the board, I'd be asking myself whether it was really tenable to continue. So we might see what happens with that over the next while. Um, frankly, the question of what the government does about or does about RTE and the funding of RTE is a is a separate issue. And while I'm sure there are people in the political sphere who will see will seek to uh, to gain political advantage from this in one way or another, the problem still remains: how do you fund public service broadcasting into the future? So, Hugh, are you expecting resignations from the board? 
I think it would be very disappointing if we don't see resignations from the board. And I think given the nature of this report, I would be very surprised if some of the individuals, particularly the ones who were perhaps a little closer to questions of auditing and, and governance, are not considering their position. Yes, but the flip side of that, can I just say we're waiting for another report. We've waited a long time for this report. We're waiting for another report. And that is into exit packages. Um so would that mean then that when that report comes out, the board who oversaw those exit packages would be gone? They well, we conveniently ar- resigned. We arrive at a waiting for Godot moment in this, don't you? Sooner or later, Godot has to bloody arrive and accountability has to be seen to be done. And to be fair, I think that has occurred to some extent on the executive management side, but it has not occurred on the board side yet. That's it for today. For more Irish Times journalism, including in-depth coverage of the issues facing RTE, subscribe at irishtimes.com forward slash subscribe. I'm Bernice Harrison. This episode was produced by Declan Conlon. In the news, we'll be back on Monday.